We are recording this episode on the traditional, ancestral and unceded territories of the Squamish, Tsleil-Waututh and Musqueam nations. Hi, I'm Lucy. My pronouns are she, her. I'm Daphne. My pronouns are she, her. And we're here to talk about the messy middle of owning a business. The stuff you don't see on Instagram. This podcast is brought to you by Salt Design Co., a brand and web design studio focused on strategic design to help you grow your business. Woohoo! Hello, everybody. We have actual friend of the podcast, Connie Chang, with us today. Thank you for being here, Connie. Can you introduce yourself, your pronouns, and what you do? My name is Connie Chang. My pronouns are she, her, and I have a communications and web development company called Type C Consulting. Yay, that was so beautiful. Thank that you. That was lovely. <laughs> that was great. Also, that don't was. we all sound great? Because we're in person. Yeah. In person. It's so fun to be back in person recording and not like muting myself on zoom and then like waiting for that optimal moment and then just like sitting there and be like god what is happening and like trying to get conversation to flow which it does but it's easier in person yeah yeah also heads up for anyone listening that if a dog barks at some point it's because we are in my house recording together and there is a dog here so (laughs) she's gone to nap by the patio so hopefully she she's just like like, can we get more treats (laughs) yeah i know poor thing okay so yeah let's just jump right in connie we know you. <laughs> we worked with you for Type C Consulting. We helped do your branding, which was a super fun experience. Um, but anyways, though, I did a creep on you, and your <laughs> previous work experience is huge and super varied, and not what I was expecting, but it all makes sense of like how we got to how you got to where you are. Um, so I see you did your undergrad at UBC, and then you went to BCIT. What is it that you did at either both? Because they both are, you know, they all. <laughs> make up who you are but they don't they don't they don't interconnect as as much (laughs) no um so I yes I went to UBC for five years um I did an undergrad uh, degree bachelor of arts in history and English lit random um but I will say one of the great things that came out of that was my ability to um do a lot of critical thinking um I think a lot of the ideas that you have to, you know, put together for an essay or to argue your point, um, that actually helps a lot in business. It helps a lot in figuring out your values. Mm -hmm. It helps a lot in really everyday life, uh, especially with the wealth of information that we're getting every day. Yep. Um, And then... For BCIT, I realized coming out of UBC that I might not get a job right away. Um, It was also, um, yeah, it was just, you know, not the greatest time to get out of school. Although I ended up getting out of BCIT in 2009 when there was a recession. So that's another story. But um, I went to BCIT for the marketing management uh, diploma. That's a diploma. And it was fantastic. Best decision I've made in my life other than, you know, starting my business. Mm -hmm. Um, And it really just taught me a lot about like all aspects of business. The first year is a more general program. The second year I took entrepreneurship. So obviously that's that's cool. Yeah. I didn't know that that was a thing. (laughs) Yeah. It's really great. And then they teach you how to do your taxes. um, They taught us accounting. So I kind of know some stuff, but Mm -hmm. not really. (laughs) That's why I pay an accountant. Um, But I would say that one of the things I realized then, and it was kind of weird. I went to talk to my program head after I graduated and I was like, what kind of career do you think 
I'd be good at. And he pretty much said, and I don't know if this is like one of those humble brag type of things, but he said that um, essentially he thought that I had a weird mix, not a weird, like a very rare mix of creativity and logic, Mm -hmm. um, which has really actually been elucidated in the work that I do now. Um, So uh, I guess, you know, that was... That was kind of my schooling career, and it was great. It was both things really helped me now. How did you know that you wanted to go to do marketing at BCIT? <laughs> I didn't. Yeah, <laughs> I got to. I've got to say, I didn't. Um, funny story. Uh, I ended up seeing a childhood friend's mom um, the summer after I graduated from UBC, and at that point, I was like, "What am I gonna do? Am I gonna like?" work a retail job and get into management and then, you know, do something like that. And then she's like, do you really want to do that? And I said, not really. Um, because it wasn't, I just really didn't know what I wanted to do, to be quite honest. And I had thought about, you know, law school or do I want to become a professor or all the things that you, you know, get out Mm -hmm. of an arts degree at that, at that time. And, um, she was like, well, I'm the, program head of this program and I know that you're a good student and I know that you know like I think this program would be really good for you if you can get me your information in the next three days and get you get me all your transcripts and etc then I can get you in and like I had to make a really quick decision you just but I didn't think. You yeah, just did I just I just did it, and I thought you know might as well. I didn't really have any plans, so um, yeah, when I went in, and then my 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 parents had a business for over thirty years, um, and my mom has always been really business minded. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad as well, um, but I realized very quickly into the program that I was weirdly good at business and it was something that really I took to and so um yeah that's kind of why I ended up staying in the program and then I was in marketing communications first which is a lot more um kind of media based Mm -hmm. um working for big corp um big agencies like DDB or OMD and I just realized that kind of wasn't my that wasn't the direction I really wanted to go in and you know, knowing entrepreneurship, knowing that's what my parents did. Um, and, uh, having some friends in second year when I was in first year, um, those are, those were the programs and those were the classes that seemed more interesting in terms of getting a more general knowledge of starting your own business, all the parts of business too. Yep. And so, yeah, I, I switched and I've never looked back. Nice. Yeah. So then you went into marketing and you were working there for a really long time then. Um, So, yeah, so I actually, so I graduated, like I said, in 2009, there was a recession. I applied for a few jobs. One of them wanted to pay, you think about back then, and they wanted to pay me 30,000, um, out of school, which I guess is, you know, an okay, but they wanted me to drive, have my own laptop, do all of those things. Oh, hell no. Yeah, I know. And I was not pleased, especially because they had like reneged on a bunch of things. And, you know, it was hard to say no at the time, but I just didn't feel like they had 
uh, given me a fair shot there. Um, and so I kind of posted on, I think my LinkedIn about wanting, like needing a job. Um, and my friend, Paul, uh, who I had just graduated with, he had done his, we do a practicum at, um, BCIT. So it's one day a week work for a company um and he was in the same program and a good friend of mine and he was working at um globe uh which used to put on actually they still put on big like sustainability conferences Mm -hmm. um and do a lot of reporting in the sustainability sector and uh he offered me um well i had to obviously interview it but um a job there for as like a communications coordinator um, and I started there, um, and it was like really good, great experience, um, for a first job, like a first job out of school. Um, it wasn't quite the direction I was going to go, but it was a good learning experience for sure. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. And then, so you were doing, you were in like various marketing roles for a really yeah. long time then. So what kind of gave you that? When did you start to realize, like, hey, maybe I should become an entrepreneur, do it for myself, open up my own small business? Yeah, so um, it's funny. I went to another job after that, and I would say that it was good for a while. Then it wasn't so great. Mm -hmm. Um, But during that time, I was asked to uh, do a little bit of their marketing work because they didn't have a dedicated marketing person. And one of the things that I was tasked to do was um, they knew I had some experience in web development and web design. And so they were like, can you make this website? Uh, And I said, yes, I can. Um, I had taught myself how to code very young, um, 15 years old, because I really liked this Buffy actor, like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Which actor for um, everybody? It was this actor, like, small part in season four. Uh, he was one of Riley's, like, lieutenants as part of the initiative. Wow, that's deep I, cut. <laughs> I, it is a deep cut, right? And so um, I made a website on Angel Fire. Very good. There was lots of... Scrolling text. Ro- scrolling text, weird gif backgrounds it was a hot mess obviously but I taught myself how to code because of that and um more recently to that part uh, I was at um, BCIT and unfortunately one of our friends had passed away um from leukemia uh she had been fighting it for a long time. And so we wanted to create a project that was um, more like was dedicated to her. And um, uh, we they needed a website. So I taught myself at that time, the Angel Fire days, I taught myself like basic HTML. And then with the um, other website for the friend at BCIT. Um, I taught myself CSS. So I kind of like had that experience. And then at this other job, they kind of wanted me to do a little bit more, more, more marketing work, a little bit more strategy work, a little bit more web work. And so I kind of like, it kind of turned into that. Um, and then, um, being completely vulnerable, like I was let go of that job um, at 
at a time when they wanted to bring somebody in that was more senior than me at that point and they didn't have room for two marketing people um and then after that I was kind of in a place where I was like what do I want to do do I want to go back to school do I want to do this do I want to do this do I want to do this and you know what like again being very open about it like I had parental support at that time and I had that ability to say, you know what, I'm going to start, try to start my own business. Um, I have a few connections that I know kind of want this work that I do. And like, if I crash and burn within the first couple of months, then I will go back to trying to find a job Mm -hmm. at another place. But one of the things I really realized in looking for those jobs um, was that they were really siloed and really you could only do like one thing in marketing and you couldn't do the many things that I had been doing at that place beforehand. And that's what I actually like about my job now, especially, but like then was doing all the things. Um, And I didn't want to get stuck into one kind of, avenue so I tried it there were times when you know the first few months I was like oh I'm never gonna make money ever again and uh but you know um from there uh it got better and felt better and I realized what I was good at so Mm -hmm. yeah what year was this that you went out oh goodness um some (laughs) sometimes I forget which exact year I started my business I think it was 2013 it LinkedIn says 2012 you're coming up to nine years you're getting to to 10 years in January wow according to LinkedIn at least so like that's the thing I was kind of doing a little bit of like freelance stuff before yeah yeah like did you always think oh it's gonna be a business versus I'm going to try and freelance for people because there is yeah a, a big difference totally um I th- that last year at that company that I was at I definitely well like I was doing a little bit of freelance work because my the people that I was working with as well kind of knew that I was doing that so if they had questions and all you know if they had friends who needed the work or colleagues or, you know, whatever, um, I took on some of that work. Uh, and so I had been doing it probably freelance for like a year, um, realizing that I could kind of roll that into my skill set. Um, but it wasn't until I actually like left that job that I was like, I might try this full time Mm -hmm. and see (laughs) where it goes. Mm -hmm. And apparently it's nine years later. It's stuck. stuck. It's stuck. I know. Right. So yeah. Was it type C from day one? It was Was nothing. Yeah. It wasn't really. um, But it actually stemmed from, um, Reese Witherspoon's company name at that time, which was like Little Miss Type A. Oh, she was, yeah, it was originally Type A something. Yeah, and I, like, Lucy and Daphne know that I am a bit Type A, but I'm also, like, kind of a Type B personality. Well, it's like, it's a weird. What instructor said right at the beginning yeah. of, of what you were telling us, like, you're creative, but also logical. It's like that right and left brain. Exactly. So, Type C, which I may, I don't know, maybe I made up, but 
kind of not, um, where, you know, that's kind of the mix of the two. Mm-hmm. And then type C, the typing, etc. all of the things it that you can kind out. of, I know, mm-hmm. it kind of works. <laughs> yeah. And does it look different in terms of the work you're doing nowadays? Like what was type C in the beginning? Were you doing different projects? How is it different to now? I mean, back then I was just, I think, trying to keep my head above water. Um, and you can't see me, but I'm trying to do a She's doggy paddle. I'm, I'm swimming. Doggy paddling, yes. I'm doggy, doggy paddling right now. Um, but yeah, like at that time, it was a lot of, you know, what I could take on, mm-hmm. the, the kind of projects I wanted to take on. But it was also some of it was, you know, learning experience and what I could take on that would help further my career and right. make the right connections i guess Mm -hmm. um but yeah it's it's been a learning process and you know i pause because daphne and lucy have created a beautiful brand for me i do not have a website nine (laughs) years later yes i'm a web developer and web designer without a website it's like the cobbler with really torn down shoes Mm -hmm. You know, it just happens. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. I'm getting there. I'm taking time off. But um, yeah, it's been it's been a learning process over these nine years. And it's really, I think I've really def- refined who my target audience is, but also refined my values and the types of you know, work that I want to take on, the types of people that I want to work with, kind of all of those things have really refined over the years. And it's been, I think with all of us, it's been a learning experience and sometimes things don't go so great and sometimes they go great. Mm -hmm. And so learning from those not great times and kind of pivoting and figuring out what does work and Mm -hmm. why those things work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really interesting too. It just overall sounds like, I appreciate you taking advice from people. People are finding these things out about you and you're like, oh, I'm actually going to pay attention and listen and pursue it and understand why, like what you've said about me, just like from you going into marketing and then that person telling you like you're both of these things. So, I mean, it takes, sometimes people like they hear things and they just don't register them. This is very true. Mm -hmm. And like knowing that other people can see you differently to how you see yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So in those early days, were you relying on those connections you mentioned to find clients or how did you like get your foot in the door just to get started once you were like, okay, it's type C, it's not just me freelancing for a couple of, couple of gigs, couple of contracts. Totally. How am I going to do this? Yeah. Um, so funnily is funnily a word, but funnily enough, um, I ended up working like I took on my old company that I just left as a freelance company because um, although I had left under, you know, not the best feeling um, I had had a boss there that was fantastic and she um, was nothing but supportive and great. And she essentially needed uh, some, a, a few websites for another part of the business. And so she wanted to take me on. She knew she, she had a good time working with me when we were at the company. And so I took that on. Um, I took on another project, um, for, uh, a very small amount of money, but it was a learning experience where I learned how to 
do responsive web design, essentially web development. Um, So, you know, a learning experience, but getting paid like a good stipend, which was nice. Um, And then, you know, I took on a couple of other projects, one of them, which went well, one of them, which went badly. And so um, really kind of coming to that point. But another thing that I ended up taking on um, knowing that I did some like graphic design work in the past as well, um, more corporate kind of based stuff in the previous company I was at. Um, I worked with Dress for Success um, and I ended up doing a few of their websites, um, you know, for their events and that kind of thing. And I actually um, started being a part of a, uh, a committee member of Yes Vancouver, um, which at that time was a fundraising arm of Dress for Success. And actually, um, a lot of connections kind of came out of there and through like volunteer work. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, one of my biggest clients now, um, I work with a company called Attendees, but we work um, as a uh, third party like contractor for um, Adobe Max, which is um, Adobe's like design, like yearly design conference. And so that actually, that connection actually came from doing some nonprofit work for an organization. So it was and all just connections. Yeah, just connections, um, word of mouth, um, really just kind of grass. <laughs> I don't know if grassroots <laughs> is the right like word, but kind of just getting there and finding the right people Mm -hmm. and I would say that one of the great things as well was my connections out of BCIT um and the people that I connected with um all very driven all very motivated um you know had really successful careers after BCIT and having those connections and having you know the connections that really they really you know push your name they really um, advocate for you. That was fantastic as well. And just like, I think that's all, that's how it's been done in terms of like, you know, they don't know your work because, you know, I, I had that website at BCIT, but really that was kind of it. But um, them knowing, giving you a chance, you doing great work and then them realizing that and that, they can refer you to the rest of their network um, has been a huge part of like the only part of my business because I don't have a website, so yes. I don't really market myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you, you know, you have a portfolio to send them in yeah. pitches and proposals totally. and you just function without, that's how you function without the website. Yeah. Word of mouth connections. Yeah, exactly. And good work. Yeah. Which, I mean, we say this a lot when we have guests on because it's a really common theme, but it's like, I think, nowadays with social media and stuff so many people think they have to be on instagram all the time to get yeah. to like market their business to find clients it's yeah. like never try just talking to people yeah <laughs> like mm-hmm. just yeah. like getting to know people and and it is a common theme and i hope that anyone who listens who thinks that instagram or like social media is the way to go or they have to do this digital marketing it's like no just get to know the people in your community that you want to work with and like yeah, yeah. kind of how most of us have done it really i th- I think so because it just seems boring and like old school or something, but it's like, that's how you get shit yeah. done. It is. It does seem very old, like quote unquote, like old school, but like it's making like, connections. Yeah. Like doing all like, that it, thing. I think it's cause everyone thinks it's like, it's networking. networking. It's like, it's, it's really not networking. It's well, just, and it's like yeah. values, it's relationships. Yes. It's, it's that if they like, to be honest, like you don't want to work with 
jerks, Mm -hmm. you know? And so when you find people that you like and you know that they have that skill set and you know that they are good people, I think you gravitate towards that and you want to work with those people because you know that they're not going to like mess you around and Mm -hmm. like pull you from different angles and they will be this hopefully they will I think this speaks to all of us is that what you see is what you get yeah and I think maybe quite a few businesses don't do that and and they put this facade up of you know who they are on Instagram or who they are on social media and clients really (laughs) find out very quickly that they're not those people and and that the process is not great Mm -hmm. and so I think it's like the most cliche thing but like being yourself um is really important whether it's in person like networking or it's on Instagram yeah which you guys do obviously very well on your Instagram is that like you are <clears throat> who you are like two months but yes I mean it is what it is <laughs> I'm but having a break you know <laughs> we're all having a break but um but yeah like I think that's incredibly important because mm-hmm. at the end of the day you're working with people yeah Joey I think we should just dive into yeah, those yeah. last questions do you yeah go for it um I have to look through the thing. I mean, yeah, and it's one of the things we connect on a lot and probably complain about a lot. Like, we (laughs) we have a lot of, like, ranting sessions and gripes, but it's because when you find the people that it, like, jives with and it connects with, it's amazing. And then when you don't, it's so much more obvious and it's so annoying. And it's one of the reasons, like, that we're all good friends. Um, So was there ever a time that you didn't think that, like, you could intertwine those aspects where you're like, well, this is business and I work with these types of companies and they're just not going to align with my values. Or were you always steadfast and like, this is how it's going to be done. This is what I care about. Cause we also bring in obviously like the more social justice aspect Mm -hmm. of things Mm -hmm. and all striving to be much more like equitable and anti-racist companies. And it, sometimes you think, oh, that doesn't work with the way that corporate businesses do things. And that, you know, I mean, we choose not to work with very many corporate clients because Mm. it doesn't always Mm -hmm. go very well in that sense. But yeah. Has there ever been a time where you were like, how do I make this work? How do I connect things? Is this, should I be doing this? Should I be like holding back? Totally. I mean, so we talked about this like off podcast and, but essentially, um, and I wasn't, I wasn't sure if I was going to share this, but I would say that that has evolved over time for me, that, the values-based business aspect has evolved over me, uh, evolved over me, evolved over time. Um, one of the things, um, that happened to me in the last few years, uh, is my dad got sick. Um, he had pancreatic cancer and he passed away a few years ago. Um, and before that, I would say, to be quite honest, I had a very sheltered upbringing. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I, you know, kind of saw the world in a very linear way. Um, I, I guess I was happy with the status quo, if you can even say that, because I didn't really know anything out of the status quo. Um, and I was content Mm -hmm. with my life. Um, and, uh, after my dad passed away, um, from a horrible disease, Mm -hmm. uh, I realized, oh, crap, like, the world is not 
that content. It's not that fantastic. And there are a lot of issues that I have been blind to and I have not opened my eyes to. And that has really shaped the way that I see the world from there there on out. Um, I think after experiencing such a huge loss, um, you can either turn inward and you can, you know, keep that grief in and be angry and, and feel like, Oh, woe is me. Like, how could this happen to me? Like the world is not fair. I'm just going to be mad. Um, you know, internally, but what I think happened to me was that I saw that and I saw how quote unquote unfair that sickness was in my dad. And then I saw, oh, there's a lot of unfair things happening in the world. If that that's the biggest understatement in the world, but you know, there's a lot of shit mm-hmm. happening in the world that I was blind to at one time and, you know, feeling that grief, feeling that hurt, I didn't want to, I didn't want anyone else to experience that weirdly and like, and not weirdly, but like, I didn't want anyone else to experience that or if I could do anything that could alleviate it in any way possible, Mm -hmm. um, that was what was important to me. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, putting my values into my work and putting the idea of, like you said, social justice, taking on the projects that, you know, I work with a lot of, um, health, uh, organizations. Um, I work with, I've in the past, I've worked with um, Richmond Fire Rescue, um, which is doing fantastic things in their community and, you know, working on, um, in the little last bit, I've also worked with a, um, a personal training coach, um, that works with, um, almost exclusively with people with spinal cord injuries. Um, those, the, the, the values that I look in a pro look for in a project have to do with like, who are they serving? What are they serving? Mm -hmm. And how can I, as a strategist, a planner, a designer and a developer, how can I help, help make, (laughs) it sounds very, um, very basic, but how can I help make things better? Mm -hmm. And so, um, one of the things that has become incredibly important to me, well, and has been important to me and has had a lot of, I think press, especially, especially in the United States because, um, of lawsuits, unfortunately, um, is, is accessibility in websites. Um, the importance of accessibility and making sure that technology is for everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's one of the things that I've really realized over the last year is um, a a client said it to me and I love it um, that I kind of humanize technology. Mm -hmm. Um, I try to, um, I really try to look at both the client, how they work, how a website will be best served for them in terms of the back end and, 
and how, you know, how I should build the modules so that it's easy for them to update, but also on the flip side, which we were also just talking about, which is that the website is not for the company or organization. It's for the users and it's for the audience. And you might not know your audience quite as well as you think you do. And maybe you do, but you know, that's why planning and feedback and surveys and, you know, the idea that a website is a living, breathing document, essentially, um, that like that dynamic portion of it is really important because you always want to change it, not just to make things better for your audience, but you know, that's just good marketing strategy too. Yeah. Yeah, this is one of those areas that it's really tricky if your client isn't on board with or can't get past their own preferences to understand. Yeah. And I find when we end up doing things that aren't as user-friendly, our clients who are then trying to update their website, like it does come to bite them in the mm-hmm. butt. And you're like, well, yes, but this is because you asked for this very specific thing that we can mm-hmm. only do this way. And, you know, we're always trying to think that's the ways in which we are human-focused with our design yes. is even ways that our clients might not realize where it's like, well, we're considering your capability in how we build this Mm -hmm. website. Mm -hmm. And we're always trying to like, even this year, Daphne discovered a whole new way for us to update Squarespace websites. um, And we've been taking some CSS courses so that we can make it even easier for our clients, especially now that we do a lot more code. You know, we've had a couple of client websites where they're like, Oh, it's more code than I was expecting. And partly it's like, yes, because you wanted it to look this way. Mm -hmm. And also because Squarespace is very like front ended and we're trying to totally. find ways to like back end a bit more. Totally. Um, so it can be really overwhelming for people. But yeah, it's always a struggle when they can't get past their own preferences and they want to either like jazz things up and like go a bit <laughs> over the top. And you're like, but people won't know. Like, you know, even in just like naming things in a menu or something, it's like yep. they won't yeah. know what that is. Oh, yep. like, you have to be clear and obvious. Yeah. Or in not understanding the importance of even things like alt tags, which we all get lazy mm-hmm. about sometimes. Or just like where buttons are and like what content is on the homepage or something like really little things. It's like you just have to think about can a drunk person come to this yes. website yeah. and Every time find and that. understand yeah. and then you're good. You've, you've kind of that's the baseline. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I think we've talked about this, too, but inclusive design and inclusive design principles, the idea that you know, your HTML should always be semantic, which is, you know, it's obvious to people when they're looking at your HTML, what you're trying to, what you're trying to portray, Mm -hmm. um, using buttons, um, instead of just, uh, just, you know, styling as buttons, certain things that are really important, you know, um, especially like in this past year, um, we've, uh, there's like ways to even go through your website right now, which are very automatic. Um, it's automatic testing. So there's this, uh, service called wave that we use, um, the wave accessibility tool, evaluation tool. Um, and you can run it in your browser and it just looks at a site and like kind of gives you, gives you suggestions. Obviously there are suggestions where it's like, this is an error. (laughs) You need to fix this. Usually those are like accessible colors and you know, this white text isn't quite perfect on this image. 
And sometimes that's not even perfect and, and you, you get cl- as close as you can. And obviously the tool itself is not perfect as well. No, I was going to say it's, sometimes mm-hmm. it's really hard to get it. Like no website will ever be a hundred percent of this. Exactly. And especially when you are trying to balance how things visually look totally. for a brand to be aligned and to work with the design. I think Google, I don't know if it's specifically Google Analytics, but sometimes we've had flags on our site where it's like, this link is broken or whatever and it's always like an accessibility flag yeah. and I find that really helpful because you can at least go and check and see like oh was it just a broken link was mm-hmm. it a text issue was it a back-end code thing I need to totally. fix and it just keeps you it like sends you little alerts yeah. and that's you know I think we literally just have standard Google stuff set up yeah it's not even a whole new software which is great exactly and wave again it's like a browser extension yeah. in Chrome that you can use and you know like you said you're trying to get it as close as possible and you're mm-hmm. trying to do as much as you can um, I mean for the Richmond city of Richmond Richmond fire rescue website um, we use like an accessibility disclaimer which is like we are doing as much as we can um, we've tested it we've done all of this testing but like if there are deficiencies, let us know. Like oh, we will look great. into it. Like that's I yeah. think something that's important on websites too is like this is our like we have put uh, like we are cognizant of accessibility um, issues mm-hmm. in general um, yeah. on websites. Um, but here's what is our stance on it and we want to hear from you if there are issues with it and i mean it's like it has to do with accessible colors there's like a website i use for accessible colors that check if it's like aa compliant which is um, another way to like figure that out and then like the thing that we've really started doing a lot um, with my company uh, for websites this year is manual testing and that's manual testing which is like using your tab button to go through the website, Mm. um, making sure focus states are available. Like, um, and like those types of things or even like screen, um, readers, Mm -hmm. which are, you have like on your mat, like, I don't know what it is on PCs because I'm literally never, I haven't worked on PCs in a long time, but Mm -hmm. on your Mac, it's called voiceover and you can turn it on in your accessibility um, settings in in Mac. Um, But then it reads out your website. So you can see if it works for somebody who is um, uh, like visually impaired and, and can't, you know, can't see that. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's fantastic in terms of there, there's so many free options and there's so many ways to, you know, make your website more accessible for all audiences. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think the basis of that is that you have to care and you want, and you have to want to be better if that's even the word um for a wider audience of people you just have to prior like take it as a priority within a project which you know i know is a stumbling block for us with small business clients is that it's not always that they don't care maybe they don't realize or they are just unaware of the time and budget that adding these takes yeah and they're unaware of the time and budget that just like the base level takes anyway yes you know a lot of times having to explain you know i mean a lot of our clients have told us we're undercharging but then a lot of people come (laughs) like way too expensive and it's like we're doing like pretty bare like minimal stuff on a squarespace website like this is not you know the level where you're at more like the 35 50k you know upwards budgets and it's a different ballpark and i'm 
hope it just sheds a light for some people. Totally. How much goes into it? Oh, a lot. And how much more <laughs> we can be factoring in, like you say, to be more accessible to a, a wider range of people and be more inclusive in that way. Yeah. Because it, it is it's an hard. effort and you do have it's to prioritize It's really it, yeah. hard. I mean, I just worked on a website um, for a client and I ran it through Google Page Speed Insights mm-hmm. and they brought up stuff that I was like, oh, this is something that is like best practice now, which is lazy loading for all your images. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can do it um, through plugins, you can do it natively through code. Um, and, you know, another thing that used to be really like used to see it all the time, which is like putting width and height attributes on images. Um, That was not a thing for a long time, but it's gone back to being a thing. And it's just so interesting how, um, how we've kind of looked to the past to also bring those things in Mm -hmm. no matter how much technology has changed Mm -hmm. and how much coding has changed and coding changes like, literally every second there's always new ways to um build your website or you know use a different you know framework package Mm -hmm. or etc but um when it comes down to it if you don't care about those things and if you don't make the you don't make the effort to want to subscribe to a larger audience then and and help help quote unquote like a larger audience then you're never going to do it but i think i feel hopefully and my hopefully my feeling is right that people are being more aware of that and and with this with this global you know, move towards social justice yeah. and activism mm-hmm. and, and advocating at, at like advocating for, you know, people who are underserved and under and under represented. represented. Yeah. Yeah. That was the word um, that you want, you want to be, you want to you be wanna, better. You want you to be, be, yes. be better. There's no reason why I think that, I think a lot of people get really wrapped up in like my website has to look super cool. It has to have all this shit no. and it has to constantly be top of the line and yeah. have all these moving parts. And I was like, none of this is accessible. No. Even for the regular person. Yeah. You, I, my, that's like my biggest pet peeve. I come onto your website and it's like, it won't stop. It's I like parallax and doing staggered like, scrolling. Like this blah, is, blah, blah. this was cool for a second, but now I just need to use your website yeah. and I can barely do it. I'm on the internet all fucking day. So why have you done it like and this? And if it's overwhelming yeah. and stuff that, and it's like, I don't even have like an anxiety disorder, but you're making me anxious yeah. like yeah. how would anyone else feel yeah on this website like it's just too many bells and whistles and like you don't need no it. you don't it's and not giving no. any yes. function and if like if this is the only way that you are differentiating yourself exactly. as like a good quality like whatever you're putting out there be like yeah. maybe you need to rethink that then well and like, like i think one of the things sometimes you know when i look at the websites i've done i'm like they're good but sometimes i have that it like little guy at the back of my brain who's like oh it's not flashy enough Mm -hmm. or it doesn't quote unquote pop enough Mm -hmm. whatever those you know words are but then I look at it and then I think about the time with the client and the long time that we always spend like strategically planning the site Mm -hmm. and the UX of it and the information architecture of it and literally every step that goes into it makes the site that what it is and a lot of the times 
you don't need those extra bells and whistles, especially, especially when it's a small business website or it's a corporate website or it's a health organization or it's, or it's any of these websites because you, the point of the website is for people to find out information. Yes. And if they cannot find that information because you've randomly titled the like about us section as like the 411 on yeah. you and me and like something and you're like wait what yeah. like what does that even mean to me mm-hmm. and so like i think that's that's kind of the foundation of it like it has to be not just accessible in like those other things that we talked about but like accessible to like make sense yes well like we always talk about like your website is basically your storefront nobody has storefronts anymore so you go that's your storefront like remember when we all used to go into hollister and it was the worst experience (laughs) of life because it was dark but then there was all these weird lights and then it smelled so much and then there was just like shit everywhere and you're like this is not a good like store experience no i can't see anything front door yeah see where you're going and what you want know what to expect yeah Yeah. like you don't want that awkward restaurant moment where you're like do I seat myself? Is someone coming? Like, yeah. you don't want any of those awkward stumbling blocks. You no. want people to just land and know what and they're doing. And figure their shit and out. And feel comfortable. Yes. And off they go. Yeah, right. And it's like, at the end of the day, it's like, when you go, if you go to restaurants, like, it's the food. It's not like, the ambience is great. Yes. But it also has to make sense to people. Yes. We're not here to be like, feel embarrassed to be like, what I am don't I, need what am some I like jazz band coming out from the corner, no. serenading <laughs> me. Like, we just want to have a chill good time. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think like it, it speaks to all of our work and knowing your work as well is like, that's the whole basis of it. It's like, it has to make sense. And it, it like, that's the number one thing. And yes, design is the hardest to get through. Like we've had conversations with clients where we're like, I'm reading this and trying to put it together. And I still don't know what you even do. Tone it down. Nobody cares. Like (laughs) we are building this for you and we don't understand what you do. So like, can we just go back to, I mean, our websites to a certain extent are almost formulaic in some ways with the layout because it has to just make sense for what people intuitively know and are going to expect and the information you're providing. And like a lot of our clients, like they do the same types of businesses. So like we'll make the colors different and the branding different and everything. But at a certain point, the like the content structure is going we to cannot be reinvent the, the wheel yeah. it's no. not worth it i no. don't think it's worth it in this point and i think that people like yes obviously there are you know really high-end design firms that are there to make to like really really push the envelope yeah, yeah. like forward and we yeah. get that we yeah. get that but the clients that we serve the people that we work with they want something clear they want something straightforward and like you said, you can't reinvent the wheel. Um, you can definitely look at the wheel and be like, how best to organize? <laughs> that doesn't really make sense, but you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think that, I think that a lot of the times art and design get, get prioritized over clarity and you like the user ability ability. and (laughs) like great if it's a concept website or if it's this or if it's this or if it's Mm -hmm. this great you know we we want those designers and artists to push the envelope forward because that's really important Mm -hmm. but when you're making a website for a certain type of client for a certain type of audience don't 
get bogged down by the idea that it needs like parallax or fade in or this or animations or, you know, when really, yeah, you can add those at the end if they don't distract from the website, Mm -hmm. but really in the end, websites are for people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're for people and people especially the websites that we work on people want to find the information yeah that's what you said it's literally just there to be a source of information yeah mm-hmm. yeah that's like, what websites are yeah it has to look nice and yeah. be well branded but beyond yeah. that is it giving you the information you need yeah. i mean my Job angel done. fire website gave you the information that you needed yeah. and it was ugly as hell but it did but it was there <laughs> you, but so, you run it through all your tests and yeah. be like connie this is great yeah oh <laughs> I mean, my god what if i could find it <laughs> that's the balance where the artistic side it has to like look good enough to get the information and not be distracting or not be overwhelming and all these things but then also not be so much like we were talking about that yeah. you can't find it because you're distracted it's like finding the balance of the two where is it clear is it legible like the colors, the fonts, all these things. So it looks good enough to find the information and like your eye to go to those spots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then not be so creative that you're like, what the fuck am I even looking at? Yeah. It's finding that middle yeah. ground. I, I was, uh, sorry. Can, no, I was just going to finish by saying yeah. like, where we're maybe not as creative in those design ways because it's like, but I want it to function. I, yeah. I've always uh, like function yes so much (laughs) is so important like we are not i I also think i was trying to justify i was like well you know there's probably an audience like if you're a crazy artist or whatever totally uh, then you can you can well and that's the thing though i was like what am i trying to justify that like you if you have an accessibility problem you don't get to deserve to have or to be like part of like a cool art thing or something like that's Mm -hmm. like kind of a shitty way to look at it you know like people deserve to be part of things yeah no matter what yeah and so like we do have to you do have to find find that fine line and figure ways around it yeah Yeah. and it's it's definitely something like we certainly don't go to the level that you do for um like the technical and coded accessibility but it is always that factor of just like who who's using this website yeah Yeah. it's that human focus element again Mm -hmm. where it's like people are going onto these websites and everyone has a different experience a different understanding a different perspective and so you have to cater to all of those different things yeah and like like I said, inclusive web design, accessible web design, web development, like it really just comes down to whether you care about people, to be quite honest. Yeah. Like it's your values, whether mm-hmm. you care if this particular user can't use your website. And some people are like, oh, I, whatever, you yeah. know, and right. maybe that's just not one of their, their values. And, yeah. you know, whatever you want to do you want to do but at the same time like the i think one of the most important things i see also in um in the people that i follow and the people that i look up to in the industry is that all of the people that i seem to like kind of gravitate towards they're always trying to push the envelope further in that way Mm -hmm. you know it might not be like the most cutting edge of design or it might not be the most cutting edge of like what can we do next well, but it's too far in that way exactly like, yeah. we've lost people now we yeah. need to catch up yeah okay last question just from a technical from a practical standpoint totally. 
do you find that with the clients that you're booking these days that this has to be an education point and a conversation you're having <laughs> or are they coming and aware of this like how much do you have to push back or introduce this into the process and just get them on board and get them like this is why you're paying the bigger fee yeah. or whatever like how does that work for you so my process is usually twofold i you know i get a referral and then they we kind of have a call whether it's like you know 15 30 even an hour sometimes mm-hmm. um where i kind of go through our entire process and one of the most important things to me is the planning process which i think a lot of um a lot of people don't realize will take a long time because maybe their website is huge and very badly organized and we have to go through an entire exercise of like where should this page go Mm -hmm. and so like that's a really huge part of it I would say that um the other thing that you probably have both seen is that my proposals are huge Mm -hmm. they're very long and I go through every step that we go through and through that I talk about accessibility and um, WCAG guidelines and like testing browser testing is incredibly important to us Um, we go through you know all the major browsers on Macs and PCs and like iOS and Android devices Um, we kind of put all of that in the proposal and we talk about it in that consultation as well. But I think like being upfront about that, um, people, I feel like people can't take it badly, (laughs) like because you're wanting to serve a large audience and making sure that they don't get in trouble for Mm -hmm. not having an ex like a very accessible website, especially with the clients that we work on work with, which are like health authority, like, Mm -hmm. you know, um, municipalities, you know, provincial government organizations, like it's, very important to have those things so the types of people you're working with they kind of have no excuse they have no excuse but when we say that this is like one of our like pillars that Mm -hmm. we are standing on Mm -hmm. that we are that is important to us that is part of this and yes this is the fee i think they get it yeah right and if the ones that don't get it they don't sign and that's okay like you know they're not your people yeah and i think that's they're incredibly probably, important they just thing. haven't really understood yeah it. yeah <laughs> i mean by the sounds of it they're probably if because of the types yeah. of people you work yeah. with they're probably almost like grateful that even if they weren't aware they're like yes oh okay yeah. i didn't realize yeah. thank god she does like thank yeah. god they do yeah because we didn't realize and we didn't understand so like great so it's almost a selling point for well, some of the clients you work with yeah and it's like funny like a short anecdote was that we just had a like client organ like a client potential client come to us and say, you know, this is what we want. We had a great call with them. Fantastic. Sent the proposal. They ghosted us for three months, yeah, two and a half months. Then when they came back, they're like, Oh, do you have any more like design forward websites? And I said, you know, we sent you all the websites that we've done two and two to three months ago and fyi all the website examples that you gave us as examples of what you wanted to do like were on that same level and now you're coming out of nowhere to talk about this 
but have you thought about all the different things that we talked about, which is like accessibility, which is, you know, for the user, for what you want, which was like actually lead generation and sales. Like, is it going to hit all those marks? And I said to them, you know, yes, we can do more quote unquote design forward websites, but all of the people I know, all of the people haven't been designed, all of the people that we've worked with, this is the end product of like months of planning of like strategy of the websites. Number one, that they show us that they want Mm -hmm. that we, you know, the style of which we try to emulate, like obviously we have our own style in certain ways, but like we try to emulate what they would kind of like, but we take the best parts out of those things. And if they say, Oh, I want this like weird, frilly weird thing. And I say, there's no point for that. Like at that point, I think they also listen and they're like, Oh yes, Mm -hmm. I get why that doesn't fit with our brand or that doesn't fit with our organization or that doesn't fit in general. Like, I think what sometimes I think probably with your clients too is that they they see something and they're like, oh, shiny. That's a, that's exactly it. Stop asking people who send you like um, their uh, portfolios and shit to be like, I want something. Can you get it more designed? Stop yeah. using the word more designed because it literally means fuck all to us. Yeah, and it just, <laughs> it like... My head hurts. Just, I, I think the whole problem with that is, is that when you can't explain what more design forward is, or you can't explain what you actually want. I think what they mean is like artistic, creative, out of the box, like all these other like things that it's like, but why? But that's not like, you're a small business. You're a small business. You're not truly like what Banksy you're not like yeah. you don't not, you don't think we haven't thought about that yeah, yet like no. we've, we've put in the effort and like we're giving you A, B, and C because of who you are as a business who yeah, you're trying to attract what you're doing well that's what you do as yeah. branding yeah. specialists yeah. like it's literally about like what they say to you and what you put forward and yeah. if they don't say the right thing to you you're not gonna get that and like that's when they complain about it afterwards it's like but you almost wouldn't let us do that because no. you wanted X, Y, and Z to so yeah. much yeah they're like you kind of we're just in a box where it's like if we want to please you then we just have to do it like you're paying us for this and that's when i wish clients would get past their own ego or their own preferences and it's like okay you, you're now complaining about it but do you realize but, you didn't give us a chance to even like explain yeah. or offer you or yeah. you didn't realize that like we've thought about this as a reason for this yeah. well and like i get that people want input and they should obviously it's their brand but just with everything, all the people that I hire, aka you, aka my accountant, <laughs> aka my lawyer, I trust the people that I hire to do the work mm-hmm. and to understand me. I mean, it was a bit easier on our second refresh of my brand because literally all I said to Daphne and Lucy was 70s retro stickers. And I, they came up with my brand. I heard stickers and then everything else just kind of faded to black. I, like, <laughs> I mean, you knew it was that all you had to say because that is very clear yeah. to us. Yeah. Rather yeah. than like, sometimes you're like, I don't actually really know what you're asking. Exactly. For. And obviously knowing me and knowing my personality and all For of those sure, things. But, but 
it, it helped in that way, but with clients that you don't know personally, you, you ask them these questionnaires, you go through this planning process, you go through all of these things. And if they're unable to express what they want to you, yes, part of your job is trying to, you know, dig through that and find that foundation, mm-hmm. totally but yeah. you, it's a, it's a push and pull like it has to be a push and pull and Mm -hmm. you have to realize that sometimes you might not know everything that goes into it and you need to in in a way you have to trust who you're working with and if you don't trust who you're working with both either that's like a bad person to work with or you're not trusting them and you have to be reflective inside of yourself. Yeah, we see this a lot actually with copywriting as well, yeah. where I think people misunderstand or don't fully realize the amount of information where it's like, yeah, we're gonna, like a copywriter will kind of rewrite or get the mm-hmm. tone and voice, but they need the information to begin yeah. with. Yeah. And it's the same, it's just a bit more, I guess it's not as cut and dry with design where it's like, you're mm-hmm. still kind of just taking information and repackaging it in yeah. a certain way to display that information. Yeah. Um, and so you still need the information to begin with. Well, I think that's the whole thing. To know how to correctly display it, yeah. If you don't, like, I think one of the things that I guess I'm proudest most about is, like, that I'm really curious as a person, Mm -hmm. and, like, I always want to know more, Mm -hmm. and I think that being curious, being willing to see the opportunities and being willing to be open to those things is what both makes you a good like contractor and client Mm -hmm. like company and client because if you're unwilling to stray from your very narrow point of view then you will never grow and i like i think all three of us have grown a lot in the last few years but especially like since we started our businesses that like it you you start at one place you become curious you take on the clients that you like have to take on at the beginning and then you realize these are the clients I want to take on and it's all about curiosity and learning and like continual learning I'd actually say that just business and entrepreneurship in general like being a business owner no matter what size is almost just about curiosity is like exactly. how are we going to solve this problem how are we going to communicate how yeah. are we going to find clients how mm-hmm. yeah. and just always thinking of new ways or trying new things and just staying open-minded to that yeah. and curious about better ways to do I, it i would like to just point out like that can also be the client as well i yeah. think what mm-hmm. happens a lot with clients is they real they think that we're just here to handhold it's like at some point you do have to hold yourself accountable as well yeah to see how you are being how are you contributing to this process what yeah. are you giving back so that the, like the people you have hired can yeah. do their own work Great as well point. like and i'm then... and obviously we're all nice to our clients we <laughs> treat them with respect but at the same time you expect them to treat you with re- respect <laughs> and if they don't treat you with respect there is something amiss in that relationship yes. and there have been many times where i've had to call in or call out a client for the way that they communicate or the way that they expect something and like say to them, Hey, you didn't hit this deadline. I can't hit my deadline if you don't hit your deadline and, or, you know, you're not giving me a clear vision and I can't move forward if you change your mind literally every day, which I've had happen. And so you 
you have to be willing to also have those tough conversations mm-hmm. with your clients because, you know, like you said, it's, it's mutual respect. And if there is no mutual respect, there's not going to be something like great that comes out of it because you're just going to be both like fuming inside. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's just better to put that out there and say, this is, these are my cards. This is how I feel. What do you, what do you think? What do you let's, think? Let's, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, the respect thing is very true, but I think Daph, what you said about like them having to do the work too, because hundred percent when there's money involved, especially with these projects, people almost think that, well, I can just pay the money and I'm hands off. Exactly. And it's just like hiring someone <laughs> oh. and the job is done as opposed to the money being like an equal transfer for time and energy. Yeah. And the, you know, the way you'd hire a personal trainer. Yeah. I'm paying you to do this, but I have to show up and do the work. Yeah. 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 I'm not going to get fit and get the results I yeah. want from the personal trainer. Yeah. Just Wouldn't because that I'm be paying nice? them yeah. doesn't mean <laughs> that it's going to happen. Yeah. I, I am part of this process. And one of the things that I think my clients don't realize is how much time goes into the like content planning yeah, part yeah. of it, the information architecture part of it, because they truly don't realize all of the things they have to, they have to gather all that copy and content and write the content if it's not there. And some of them, um, you know, like they all work hard to do it, but it's a lot of work, it's a lot of work. and it takes a lot of time. And so I think that's sometimes a surprise for them that like, and I've, you know, I've started writing it in my proposals. Like, this is what, like, our contract with you is. This is what we expect from you. This is what you can expect from us. And I think that's incredibly important, too, mm-hmm. is, like, setting the expectations early and being, like, this is also important for you to be a huge yeah. part of or else, you know, this is not going to happen. And it's not going to look great. Like you can have a website that is pretty and has all the things that you want. But if there's like, if the content bad is bad, if the content bad, if content bad, bad, no one go. (laughs) Like if the content is bad, no one will go. You'll have a horrible bounce rate. Nobody will stay on your webpage. They'll complain, et cetera. Like it, it all comes down to that. Right. And at the end of the day, us caring about those things is saving you money in yes. the long run. Yeah, yeah. Like, and it might seem like, oh, it's going to take more time, it's going to cost more money, yeah. but actually it'll save you time and money in yeah. the long run. Yeah. Um, Which brings us to your tagline of do it right, do it once. No, do, it do it once, once do, do it, it right. right. Sorry. Yeah. Do it once, do it right. Yeah. Um. So. Which you guys came up with, which did. was great. We did. I love it. Um, Let's do a hard transition and firstly, I hope that didn't become too much of a rant, but I think it's just where <laughs> the accessibility and usability brings in our own frustration sometimes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And um, hopefully this is less ranty and does more educational or enlightening for people. Uh, I mean, just like eye-opening. Quest- it, like, you're allowed to question things, yeah. but it's also like being able to, sometimes there is a way to ask questions to the people that you're working with. Yeah. Yes, of yeah. just being like, hey, like we justify things. Maybe yeah. you didn't understand it. I don't yeah. know. It's okay to ask questions, but it's also like understand that a lot of the time we don't make decisions arbitrarily. Websites aren't meant to be like pieces of art. They're functional. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I yeah. think one of the things that, like 
this is what we do. Like mm-hmm. the three of us, we end up talking about design and usability <laughs> yeah. and, you know, how that relates to our values, how that relates to appealing to everyone, like appealing to everybody that would want to be on your website. Those things are important to us. Yeah. And if we quote unquote, like one of the things that I realize that I do on social media, on my personal account is that I get angry about things that are happening <laughs> and these two know most of all, but one of the things that my friend said, it's, she said like, you get angry about the things that matter. And, and then I saw a tweet Passion, that was yeah. essentially was like, you're angry because you want, you want everybody to be taken care of. Mm-hmm. And I think that's justifiable mm-hmm. and, and frustrations come out of that. And yes, you know, like we have discussions around that, but I think it's more of a discussion. And if, if our hackles get up a little bit, that is what it is because it's important to us. Yeah. And I think also it, it, I mean, even from our own standpoint, it can be frustrating that we can't always explain all of these things to a client. There isn't always time. You can't on every feedback form explain because (laughs) on some of them, we would have to literally explain the basics of design and like UX and you just can't always do that. And so it's frustrating when, like you say, Def, if someone isn't questioning, um, that you're like, I wish if you had questioned or asked, because we could have a conversation about this. Totally. Because I can't upfront explain how everything works. We yep. have to like, we have a timeline, we have a process, we have to get through it. Yep. Sometimes that means sharing more like minimal information. Yeah. But if, if we could have a conversation and ask about it, yep. then we could explain and help you understand and then come to a new solution. Totally. Rather than just kind of like, I mean, we love cut and dry feedback. I love it when someone is just like, change this to this. It's like, yeah. perfect, done. I know what to do for mm-hmm. you. That's easy. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. And when it's just, you know, a little thing of like, oh, I want this link to be brown instead of red, whatever. Yeah. I'm like, that doesn't matter yeah. to me. So yes, absolutely. Yeah. But on the bigger things, we're like, oh, we need to chat about this. Yeah. Um. So I think, yes, like you say, that's where the frustration comes in because we wish people would put more time and effort and energy into these things. Yeah. Um. And I think one of our jobs in, in so far as yes, like, especially one of my jobs, because like you said, my projects are a little bit more like long-term yeah. and they're of a higher budget. A lot of the time is that m- one of my jobs is education to be quite honest. Um, it's through that planning process and it's through that strategy process that I say, okay, this is why it's important. And this is why I'm doing this the way that I am. Mm-hmm. And like feedback, yes, give me feedback, but like there's a reason to my madness. <laughs> um, and here it is. And like, like you said, it's really hard to do that when it's a smaller project, a smaller budget. Um, but one of the things like, yeah, it's, it's one of those things that you kind of have to figure out what is needed yeah. for the project to proceed yeah. essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, hard detour. Yeah, because we've been talking for a long time. Because this is who we are. Yep, as people. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, we might have covered some of these, and possibly even less than we would normally. (laughs) But we're just going to jump into our final questions, so we can close things out. Um, what's been your biggest learning lesson in business so far? (sighs) Aside from maybe all the accessibility matters. Hey, that's a big thing. It's a big thing. I think it is who your audience is and who your client is and Mm -hmm. who your 
like quote unquote perfect client is the type of people that you want to work with the, all of that is really important. Mm -hmm. Another thing that has, you'd think wasn't that difficult, but actually was very difficult. Um, I worked with a great coach, a friend of the pod as well, which was Sarah McCabe. Um, she's fantastic. She's great too, she's, I believe. Yeah, <laughs> yes. she's just the most wonderful. And one of the things is that she's no nonsense with her coaching. And she asked me what my values were. And I was like, huh? <laughs> because I knew what my personal values were. And I know what I do in my business but like actually distilling it down as you can tell I'm slightly long-winded and like it was hard to distill down exactly what was important to me and I think by distilling that down and figuring out what I'm good at um through working with her as well mm -hmm. as just kind of my experience um that has really helped shape my business from then and the type of clients that I've taken on and yep. whether, you know, if a client goes to me realizing, Hey, that's maybe just not for me. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. true. Actually, if people are ghosting you, that just means like, what's wrong with you as a person? In personal <laughs> and do professional. Don't do that guys. Um, biggest triumph in business. Oh, I think, I think actually, if it's a project, um, probably the Richmond Fire website because yeah, I really love that. Mm -hmm. um, I worked with them on the entire thing. Um, another friend of the pod, uh, my best friend, Safira Jean, um, she did the copywriting for it. And uh, we like collaborated on it and I worked with them on the creative direction. So we did videography and photography and we kind of like really figured out the aspect um, that it would be. And so I loved that kind of whole that whole part of it mm -hmm. um going through not just realizing like what the website would look like but what they would present to the community as well yeah um which was like their whole basis for a website was to uh, not appeal to the community but really like show themselves as like a safe place within the community yeah mm -hmm. wow awesome what do you think the biggest misconception people have about <laughs> you or your business do you want me to re, -re no. i can say it again <laughs> okay. i'm not gonna find this in the audio let's just keep going okay. so this is what the messy middle is apparently my phone is going to be the worst today okay. yeah. more than the dog yeah <laughs> I mean, she hasn't made a peep just for me <laughs> okay what's the biggest misconception people might have about you or your business maybe even the industry um think that like websites are just like pretty things <laughs> and like websites are just kind of there versus the like the reality of the that. reality and the 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 expansiveness mm -hmm. of like what it actually is yes. and what it takes yeah which you both well know <laughs> i mean we just spent yeah. an hour talking yeah, 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 yeah. About i mean that, yeah. fair enough <laughs> right oh the fun question what have you been liking watching reading listening to that is bringing you joy well we have lots of conversations about this, <laughs> obviously. Um, as a geriatric millennial, I love Olivia Rodrigo, obviously. Oh my God, I love her so much. Yes, this is... And then Daphne has uh, introduced me. This is how I geriatric I am. Dua Lipa. <laughs> Daphne loves her. And we had a bit of a karaoke session where I learned all that, those songs. Yes. 
isn't she coming with us to see her? I, sh- we got tickets. Dua Lipa's coming. We'll talk about this after the recording. Sorry, Fanny. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. I feel really left out now. <laughs> um, in terms, like I listened, I think I told both of you too that I listen to a lot of like instrumental music when I code because mm-hmm. it kind of fades into the background. Yeah. TV. Um, I We were talking about a show that we didn't love, but mm-hmm. what I do love um, is Only Murders in the Building, which is about a podcast, and it has Steve Martin and Martin Short, and uh, of all people, Selena Gomez, but it really works. Yeah, I'm excited um, to watch it now. Yeah, it's quite good. Um, obviously, Ted Lasso. Mm-hmm. Who, like, if it's you don't incredible. like, yes. if you don't like Ted Lasso, you might not have a heart. Sorry, it's just, just saying. It's like, is everything it. okay? That's, yeah, is everything episode, okay with you? Like, I'm crying yeah, again. Like, oh, yeah, so we have, like, we have, we have text messages about this um and in terms of books i was an english lit and history major so i swear to god i just read enough books for my lifetime during that time and i haven't read a lot in the last little bit it's a forward Um, slash kind of option you don't have to tick all the boxes yeah um i just picked up uh jody wilson raybold's new book um which i want to finish reading um uh also on my nightstand is 21 things you didn't know about the Indian act. Um, and, uh, like as for fiction, I picked up the gilded ones, mm. um, which is essentially kind of like, uh, you know, dystopian teen lit who doesn't the love best. dystopian tea lip. So yeah, those are kind of some of the things nice. that I've been into. Sweet. And what do you do for fun? That's just for you. That doesn't have anything to do with your business or make you any money. I think you both know, oh, but I that's do, boxing. Yeah. <laughs> um, I box at my favorite gym, which is all city athletics. Um, it's incredible space. Um, it's, really lovely the people there it's um it's really body 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 positive um it's inclusive to all levels um and you know um with all the things that happened with my dad and all the things that you know as i gesture wildly at the world Mm -hmm. um it's nice to get anger out yes i I think we do know a few people that like they our instructors there, yeah, right? Like yeah, everybody yeah, yeah, yeah. that I have ever met there, just in passing, I was like, "Oh, you're all very nice people." Yeah, so yeah, yeah. that's a good thing. On, on yeah, we of the met end. the as a Jordan, the yeah. guy at a podcast event actually, yeah. um, because he and a friend have a have good a old JB, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and they're they're lovely, yeah, yeah. So that's what I do. Nice. I box. <laughs> nice. Um, okay, from here, where can people find you? Um, you know, kind of on. Not on your website. Not yet. on my website. I do <laughs> have. Tuned. I do have. Like it is at typesyconsulting.com. Um, technically, like I have an Instagram for my business, uh, but again, it's it's in the works. So for um, now, just like. If anyone wanted to reach out, send you an email or something. Yeah. Type C consulting. Yeah. You can, you can email me at, uh, Connie at type C consulting.com. You can contact me through the Instagram. Like I get the messages, but I don't really, I'm working on it guys. (laughs) I'm working on it. So yeah, but, um, 
that's kind of it. Nice. Awesome. Thanks for being here, Connie. Thanks, awesome. you two. This was fun. Yeah, we're going to do our little awkward, we'll do our outro in front of you Perfect. now. Perfect. Uh, so for anyone listening, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Just search for The Messy Middle and you'll see our faces. Plus, if you enjoyed this episode or any of our others, we'd really appreciate a review, maybe a five-star rating. Uh, and you can find us on Instagram at Messy Middle Pod and at Salt Design Company. And if you would like to send us any comments, topics, or guest suggestions, you can email us at MessyMiddlePod at saltdesignco.studio. For more information, check out our website, saltdesignco.studio slash MessyMiddlePod. Up there, you can find our episode list as well as any additional info about our topics and our guests like Connie. Yeah. Yay. Thanks for listening, everyone. And remember, friends, we are going to be okay.